Hey everybody, I wanna give you a gift before we dive in. If you're at the beginning of your content marketing journey or if you've been doing it a while but it's not working as well as you want and you feel like something is missing, I wanna give you a roadmap to help you get more ROI out of your content. This is my blog remix method and it's a shortcut to go from one blog to dozens of pieces of content in less than 60 minutes. Even if you have webinars, podcasts, and video content, you can take the transcripts and follow the guidelines in the exact same way. It's a great resource. It's free. You should have it. If you haven't downloaded it already, grab it right now at justinsimon.co slash remix. If you're listening to this podcast feed, you can click the link right below and download it. Get it, read it, apply it. It takes you step-by-step step to get more value out of your blog content and get it in front of your audience. So grab the guide, get a blog, and get it running. That's my blog remix method, and it's free at justinsimon.co slash remix. Hey, everybody. Before we get started, I want to thank my friends at Hatch for producing this episode. You can get unlimited podcast editing and strategy for one flat rate by visiting hatch.fm. All right, let's get in the show. Welcome to Distribution First, the show where we flip content marketing on its head and focus on what happens after you hit publish. Each week I share playbooks, motivations, stories, and strategies to help you repurpose and distribute your content because you deserve to get the most out of everything you create. Everybody, this is a special episode of Distribution First where I go on with Brett over at The Juice for their event series called Content Distribution Live. We had an absolute blast, talked about tons of things around content distribution, repurposing, and had some awesome Q&A at the end. So you don't want to miss out on that as well. So let's get into it. Justin, welcome, man. How are you? Brett, good to see you. What we're going to do here is we're going to set up with a little bit of background, setting the stage of the conversation. We're going to then talk a little bit about strategy and then jump into a kind of a hypothetical case study that I'd love for Justin's feedback on. But maybe let's just start with you. Like undeniably in my hemisphere of feeds, you are one of the few content distribution people that are constantly uh, beating the drum. You obviously have your own podcast dedicated to it. Maybe share a little bit of context on your background dis with distribution. Like, why did you adopt the strategy? Not only to adopt the strategy, but go all go all in. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, for me, so I've experienced both running a full-on content team. So when I was at TechSmith, I had an entire content team that was everything from what you'd maybe traditionally think of content with writers, a couple full-time writers who are doing blogging and SEO. I had a videographer, a couple of videographers on my team who are doing YouTube and product videos. I had social media on my team. And so I had this team of plus interns. I probably had 10 people doing content for the company. And when you, at least if you're a, a, try to be a good leader, which I tried to be a good leader, you try to help people succeed and do the best job that they can. And what I started to realize was we were creating so much stuff. Like we'd get mm. requests in and we'd just create. We'd get requests in and we'd create. And it was like every 10 weeks, we were just creating, creating, creating. And a lot of my team members were getting burned out. Communication wasn't great because there were so many things flying in. Like you can imagine if you are creating content and you have your quotas two blogs a week, which it was at one point, 
how is social media supposed to keep up with that when you're churning out two blogs a week, eight new blogs, and then they're trying supposed to digest that and communicate that and get that out. And so it was just a problem in terms of overwhelm and burnout. And then I moved from that into startup world where I went from a content team of 10 to a marketing team of three and content team of Uno. And so uh, it was all on me plus a few freelancers and agencies to really figure out how to piece that together. And that's when a lot of the repurposing effective distribution came about. And it was like, I can't feasibly create that much content and distribute that much content out to our audience. And so it was just a matter of trying to simplify and figure out a way how to do that. And that's when really like started to build a distribution engine where we could come up with an idea and say, okay, cool. If we have these, for us, it started with a digital event. If we have this digital event and we have 12 sessions in this digital event that are awesome, rather than just slap a page up and say, oh, hey, everybody, these recordings are live. Let's distribute those as if they were an actual legitimate piece of content. And so that's what we ended up doing. And we took a live event that was in traditional B2B circles, maybe after the event, kind of a throwaway from a content perspective, we took and made that like a huge part of our engine, which freed up me to be able to do tons of other projects from original research to starting a podcast. And so I just started to see like, oh, if I have effective distribution and an engine that can run, that frees me up to do like other things where I can be strategic and creative and I'm not just churning out content all the time. So that's a, I mean, a high level background of what we got going there. Just maybe just to like dive in one layer deeper on that. Was there, you talked about the problems you were having when you jumped in. You're like, all right, we need to solve for this. Like people are getting burnt out. Was there any like buddy at the time that inspired you or companies or was it just kind of learning on the fly of like, this is what we should be doing instead, instead of continuing to publish all this content that goes unseen, we need to double down and figure out how we can maximize each piece. Like what was that moment for you? Mm, that's a good question. I think so. I was on LinkedIn. I couldn't maybe nail down one person on LinkedIn that was talking about it, but I know at the time, because we were such a blog heavy team, that going back and updating old blog posts became a really important aspect for us rather than just churning stuff out. And so, what I was able to do is actually prove, like, hey, if we don't create anything new, but we actually go back and spend half the amount of time it takes to like generate a new concept and write it out, da da da, and update this old content, update the CTAs, and then we're able to track sort of performance on that to say, look, when we update this blog post, you know, it goes goes crazy compared to what it was. There were people talking about updating blogs in some of the spheres, but the, I mean, honestly, it's probably like the OG Ross uh, Simmons who was talking about distribution, uh, I mean, forever before I ever was. And so I think just getting involved with some of his content, seeing how he was doing it and, and really seeing a focus put on it was, was probably a, the original person that put that in my brain. It's not the first episode of Content Distribution Live without giving Ross a shout out. Absolutely, have to, have to. <laughs> so I want to talk about like mistakes and misconceptions, but I feel like I've had a ton of these conversations. I know you've probably had even more, but it, I get this feeling like that every marketer I talk to knows that they should be doing distribution, but it's like, how do I get off this hamster wheel and how do I get started with distribution is is kind of the struggle. So I'd love for you to maybe talk about like just biggest mistakes and misconceptions that marketers have when it comes to content distribution. You know what the funniest one is? And I hear it all the time. And I think it's an internal thing more than an external thing is it feels like cheating or it feels <laughs> like you're somehow doing something wrong. 
Like it's a very interesting conversation. Like I see it all the time in the comments and the conversations around distribution and repurposing is like, eh, my audience has already seen that. It feels like cheating, like they don't care. And so like, I think that's maybe like high level umbrella. Like one of the core problems is that people have an assumption that your audience is constantly craving new content from you. When in reality, your audience is so busy and has so many other things going on that they don't even know what you're doing. We get so caught up internally, and I know this for sure, mm. for sure from working at companies where we spend so much time coming up with a campaign and an idea, and we're talking about this, and we got it. We might spend months on this thing before it even launches, and by the time we let, we're ready to launch it, we're so sick of hearing about it. We don't want to talk about it. We're done with it. Like, yep, we launched it. I hope the audience cares. We dripped out three tweets and sent an email. I, I, I think we're good to go. We'll move on to the next thing. When in the reality is your audience is, has so much other stuff going on. You're not competing just with other businesses. You're competing with every creator on YouTube. You're creating with your kid's soccer schedule. You're, you're competing with all the, you know, you've got all this stuff that, you're, that your audience is competing with for attention. And it's not cheating. It's beneficial. It's helpful. Like being able to get your message out in front of your audience consistently should be the goal. And if you spend, I don't know what the average amount of time it takes to even set up one of these events, for instance, but it's a decent amount of time to put together oh, yeah. the outline, to email, to so wouldn't you be better service spending at least that much time getting that out after the fact? You know what I mean? And so like, I just think it's those, some of those conversations come into play. The, I'm so happy you called this out because it was later in my career and it was feedback I got from a previous CEO I worked for. And we weren't talking about content distribution specifically. We were talking about messaging, but it applies to content distribution in this case. And his feedback was, if it starts to get old to you, then you are just beginning. And like that resonated so much for all the reasons that you just stated. Like, Everyone's got kids. Everyone's got busy jobs. Everyone's got priorities like email, the tweet, like the blog post, the podcast episode, the webinar, like the chances of the people you want to see that the first time are likely slim to none. So you've got to keep hitting it and hitting it and hitting it. And it's going to feel weird at first. It did for me. I don't know about for you, but like overcoming that, like, is it just like you start to see better results? Like, what was it for you when you were like, all right, this is what we got to do? I think some of it's reps, others, honestly, like, and, and I use this as an example, because it's so tangible, it's meta, but it's tangible. Like, even for me, I didn't really start talking about repurposing a distribution on the whole until early 2022, when I brought my course out, and I just started talking about it all, you know, the, the concept of it all the time and what I was doing. But the funny thing about that was, it was like four months of, you know, and again, not that much distribution. I once a day on LinkedIn, which you know it sounds like a lot, but it's really not. Like once a day, that's not that hard. Talking about it, and after a few months, it was like getting comments of Justin's the repurposing distribution, ha- having you know these type of comments. But <laughs> over time, becoming known for something. Imagine if I would have posted once a week on LinkedIn and mm-hmm. talked about four different things. I there's no way. I would be known for X, Y, and Z thing. And the same thing is true of your company. If, you, if you're posting, well, we post three to four times across four channels and none of them are all that great. And we talk about 10 different things and we talk about hiring and we talk about this and we talk about that in our webinars and da, da, da. It's like, okay, what do you do and how do you help me? 
<laughs> like I think just high level view of, of trying to do that. And that's where that repetition comes in. You know, what's funny about that is like, I often will go to Twitter and I'll just search content distribution and see who's talking about it. And you are always there. Like you're always there. It's because you're doing, you're trying to own that category in your content. And that's what you help with. So it's funny. It's everything you're just saying. I see it in practice regularly. One more just kind of subtopic that I want to get to in this section is just like back to what I said with like, everyone knows they need to be doing it. I think part of the reason it doesn't get off the ground is because there's probably preconceived notions internally with like, we've always done content, our strategy Mm. this way. And it got us to this level with inbound and why would we change it? I guess like what's your opinions and thoughts on just like getting that internal mindset shift? It's change, it's change management. It's really difficult, but I know you're probably having a lot of those conversations regularly. So how do you like coach people up to then go have the conversation on it? Yeah, to me, the first step is an internal audit of what's going on. So like you need data to come to that argument with something other than your opinion. Because if you're trying to change the narrative in terms of how people think about something, you can't come to them and say, I know we've had successes, how we've done content for the last 10 years. I want to change all this now. So what I would do, like a great example, when we when we started to change things uh, when I was at TechSmith, was I built the business case to change how we did content. And so I audited what we were doing. I audited how that content was actually performing. I audited what channels were hitting and which ones weren't. And so you could start to see, oh my gosh, like this channel is, I don't know why we spend any time here. This type of content never lands. I don't know why we do that. Oh, this one got like the classic spike and then, you know, the valley of death where it never gets seen again. But we said it was one of our most important pieces. How do we get eyeballs on that? And so like just being able to to find those data points and and be able to use those to change the narrative and, and build the business case. Also, like, don't be afraid to start small. That's another thing. Like, we did a 10-week test where it's like, hey, what if we don't, for these 10 weeks, create anything new? And it's on us to figure out how to get our existing content out to our audience in new ways. And maybe that's through traditional content avenues, distribution channels like SEO. Like, we're just going to update this blog post so it ranks better. Or maybe it's, hey, we're going to take this in, create a whole custom email send out about it. Or we're going to create X amount of social content to be able to share it out over the 10 weeks and just figure out creative ways to get that content back out. This is where I want to put the exclamation point on like what you just said and why I think content distribution is a differentiator because you just said it takes work to validate. So you as the marketer have to go in and validate this with data, with performance, and then you can go take that up and then sell that internally to your team and then get approval to go execute this new strategy. The opportunity is not everyone is going to go do the work. Your competitors aren't going to go do the work. But if you go do that work and get it done and can get it approved, then you are going to stand out 10, 15, 20, 30x over your competition because you are doing something completely brand new that your competition won't pull back and dig into and get their hands dirty to help validate internally. Yeah. And it's really on the marketer to market internally. Like I can't say that enough. Like when you're trying to change how people at a business think, you have to A, understand what matters to them. So what matters to your boss and what matters to your boss's boss so that they, because they're going to have to go sell this eventually down the road. Mm -hmm. And so understanding what matters to them and then trying to formulate a plan that 
because at the end of the day, we're all trying to get to the same point, right? We all want to grow revenue, we want to grow pipeline, we want to grow the business. So how, how can we do that in a creative way and show that this new way of doing content can do that? And when you can frame up that story and actually show a path, that'll that'll go a long way. All right. So I want to get into like the strategy portion. We're set. We just set the stage. And I want to also because I I'm like, I'm going to give myself an F on this because I didn't do it. So if you have questions, like share them, ask them if something Justin says inspires a thought, we're going to leave 10 minutes at the end to answer some of those questions. So use the the chat feature in Goldcast. Shout out Goldcast, who is our partner here. Okay, so defining the strategy. What are the core elements that make up a successful content distribution strategy in your mind? Pretty broad question, but I'd love... Let's go for four hours and we'll just jam <laughs> yeah, on it. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for, so for me, for the way I do it, you know, aptly named for my podcast and the framework that I help companies build out is distribution first. So for me, I always want to think about distribution first. It sounds very basic and simple, but rather than thinking about what content we're going to create, I want to think about what avenues and channels are we going to use to get our message out? Because if you don't have those nailed down and figured out, you're going to create this content without a plan to get it out. So it puts distribution kind of at the at the head of at the head of all that. And then from there, understanding content themes. So again, that goes back to the consistent messaging. So once I understand where I want to go, I want to know what are those core themes that I want to talk about. And again, it doesn't have to be like for the whole year. It doesn't have to be a massive strategy. Maybe it's just a quarter. Hey, for Q2, the core things we want our audience to know about over this next quarter are this, 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 this. That could be a product release. It could be a core opinion or thought you have. It could be a new feature. It could be anything. But like being able to tie those in. And then really auditing your content is kind of what I would say is like step three uh, part of that. Again, it, it forces you to look at what you already have. I've literally been in meetings before where I've said, we have a PDF that we already made for this thing. Ah, that's two years old. We need to, is it, is it inaccurate? Is it, no, we, we need to create a new one. Okay. <laughs> you know, so like figure out what you have and be able to, and, and be able to show that. I've also been in situations where over a rolling time period, I've audited websites and you look at the content and it's like, oh, you have five blogs that are all on the same topic that are like 80% the same because it's just, you know, every, every year you go and regurgitate that same information. So audit what you already have, build in a repurposing workflow. So understanding based on channels, what we need. So if you're not doing YouTube, you don't have to worry about long form video. You don't have to worry about that. But if you are, you have to worry about that and figure out how you're going to win on that channel. It's totally different than Twitter, totally different than Pinterest or Quora or any of these other places. And so understanding your channels helps figure out what you need to repurpose. And then key in all of this is the measuring and optimization. So after you do all this work, make sure you have a way to, and we can talk about this later, but make sure you have a way to be able to measure the impact of that whether that's qualitative or quantitative, and then get that out and be able to report that back up. Because that's key. If you just do stuff to do stuff, you're not going to change anything. Even if it's successful, you're not going to change anything. So the what I just heard you say, and this is how I've been thinking about content distribution, is like before we thought about content distribution and using it as a strategy, we were being very reactive as content marketers where it was like, okay, we've got this idea for this blog post, we're getting feedback from our sales team. Let's write this thing. It'll take a couple of days, then we'll publish it. And we'll use these keywords because we know Google likes it. And we'll just put it on our blog. And we hope people come and find it. 
Whereas distribution is a way more proactive approach. So it's like going on offense with your content. And the benefit of it is to your point, like in that example with the two-year-old PDF, it's like going on offense with that piece of content doesn't cost any more money. Like you're not pouring more money. It's not going to cost more people capital outside of like the individual, you know, running the distribution. So is that, do I have that right? Just like kind of old school and I'll, I'll say old school because it's, it's like reactive approach, but distribution's more like proactive new school approach. I love the, uh, you know, I'm a huge, I'm a huge football fan. I love the offense. <laughs> uh, I love the going on offense initiative because again, like at the end of the day, what's your goal in, in sports to score, you know, one more point than, than the opponent. And how do you do that? You typically do that on offense and, and mm-hmm. by going on offense and having the, having that. So yeah, no, I think being proactive, understanding how that is, I mean, man, there's so many sales is just another example, but you want to be working together with all the people at your company to figure out and share how you're sharing these things out. Cause otherwise they don't know. They like you said the blog post idea, like you could get ahead of that by proactively working with sales and telling them how you do things or work working with product marketing to tell them how you do things and how you distribute content. Cause otherwise they're just gonna th- We've all been there. They're just going to throw something at the wall and say, hey, I want this and I want you, I want it by then. And can you throw it up on social and call it a day? And it's like, well, okay, rather than do this, maybe we fit it in with our existing schedule. You want to talk about this? Let's talk about it on our podcast. Let's, oh, we already have this series set up. Let's do that. Or really understand, are you going to use that PDF? Like, how are you, can you show me an example of how you're using an existing thing that we're providing? Again, it's like, you want to be nice about it, but like, it's an easy way because otherwise it's, it's too easy to stay on that hamster wheel. Totally. And like, maybe like, I'm going to go back to the football analogy here, but first maybe start with like an emoji. Everyone can visualize when we're thinking about channels. It's like the, the face where the eyes are spinning. It's like all these channels, what should we be doing? So I don't know, like my philosophy is there's like two styles. It's like, you got the Madden style, which is like, there's all these channels. You can do all these things and just go completely ham. Like so many plays, plays, AKA channels that you can, distribute but most people like don't have capacity to go run the madden playbook most people who are starting off run the tech mobile playbook and i might be (laughs) dating myself a little bit with that reference but there's like four plays or four channels so maybe like i think that's part of getting off the ground is like channel selection so maybe talk a little bit about like how we should be evaluating the channels we're spending time on yeah i've been thinking about this a lot it's something i get asked a lot especially when i'm coming into a new org and they're doing a lot of channels, like you said, they're trying to run that playbook. I think one thing people don't realize, especially maybe like content marketers and every org's different, but and I've worked in different spots. But let's say you have a social media marketer and like traditionally you might have a marketing content team who's writing and a social media team who's doing the social. Those are two very different skills. To do distribution right and to really understand how that is, let's pretend you don't have a social media manager. I actually think it's on the content folks who are creating content to understand the distribution channels. So if you're writing a blog and you an email is huge for you, you better understand what it takes to write a really good like email or an email newsletter. If you're doing Twitter, you got to understand what does it take to write tweets because otherwise it doesn't matter. Like you can <laughs> you can cut up the content in every any given way. If that content is then bad, it doesn't do anything for you. So studying the channels, that's why honestly, like going technical route, like I would say like pick one play, 
Mm. Learn one channel, learn LinkedIn, learn Twitter. Those skills will transfer, but there's nuance there that unless you are in it and on it, you won't be able to create content for it. And it's not helpful. It's not like the best companies who do this. It's usually where somebody at the at the company, even if it's not for the brand, is doing it really well on their own. So like if you do, you know, uh, LinkedIn really well on your own for your personal brand, your company probably is going to have a pretty good LinkedIn presence because you know what you're doing. Same with Twitter, YouTube, etc. Going back to the the tech mobile analogy, it's just like if if you could run right sweep with Bo Jackson and it gets you 50 yards or a touchdown every time, just keep doing it. Like keep going. But one thing I want to go back to that you said that I think is so important just for marketers and it gets me excited because I wasn't expecting to talk about this, but the email writing and the tweet writing, like every great marketer is a great writer. And I love the ability to write headlines, express ourselves, use those chops and be creative. And I feel like one thing that gets lost in the distribution conversation, I'm glad you brought it up, is our ability to use words and use key messages to grab people's attention. And if you're not thinking about the words and the positioning or the meaning behind what you're saying, the distribution strategy probably doesn't even matter. So like primarily, we need to focus in on what we want to say and how we want to say it. Yeah, and and how you want to say it for that platform and to make it work. It's note like use Google, it's a classic example, but you can't just throw anything up there and make the distribution work for Google. We all kind of understand that natively like, oh yeah, you can't like Google just won't make it rank. Well, these algorithms are no different and people who want to interact with that are no different too. If you just throw up a link and are like, "Hey, we posted in this new blog, hope you all enjoy it. It's on X, Y, and Z. I'm not leaving LinkedIn to go read your blog post. But if you take that and do the zero-click approach and pull the best pieces out of that and then stick that into the feed to where I don't even have to read your blog post and I get the information, that's what you want to do. So like, I, like I've said this uh, on different shows that I've been on and with different conversations that I have, I don't care how people consume my content. You want to listen to my podcast? Awesome. Listen to the podcast. You want to watch my clips? On LinkedIn, awesome. You want to read my stuff on LinkedIn, awesome. You want to read my newsletter that I sent out, awesome. You want to read my tweets, great. I'm going to cut up that same piece of content and do it in four, five, six different ways so that I can guarantee that you see it somewhere in your feed and I don't have to pigeonhole you into consuming content a particular way. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, Uh, yeah, you're... uh... You're preaching to the choir with that approach. I, before we move out of this and into the hypothetical, I think obviously like it's always been there, but like probably at the top when we're talking about content right now, like the next thing people want to talk about is ROI just based on the current climate. So maybe with the distribution strategy, getting one off the ground, uh, nurturing one you have or getting yours to the next stage, like what signals should we be looking for? to know when it's working and like, how should we be thinking about the ROI of it all? Yep, definitely metrics matter. I think it's a like the way you do distribution and measure distribution can be difficult, especially based on what I just said, because typically how we measure content marketing success looks like something in a Google Analytics dashboard of some kind where we can say, look at how many page views X, Y, and Z thing brought. And then that led to X, Y, and Z trials or purchases, et cetera, et cetera. With distribution, it's a little bit of a wild west because the metrics are all different. How you measure YouTube success 
totally different than how you measure LinkedIn or Twitter. One of the things I've been using, and I actually had a, an episode about this uh, with Jess Cook, who runs content over at Lasso, is this idea of a content repurposing multiplier and using that metric. And essentially what that metric is, well, it's a, a way to measure your, your repurposing and distribution success. And so if you set up tagging, tagging is probably the easiest way in something like HubSpot or Buffer, or, and again, it won't pull everything. Um, depending on what channels you use, but being able to plot out and say, okay, I had a, we we released this podcast episode. It had a hundred downloads, it had a hundred listens. Typically how we, we would post a link on LinkedIn and we would say, hey, podcast is live. Awesome. And then we'd move on with our life. And, you know, maybe a thousand people see that, maybe 500. Well, if we take that same podcast, cut up the clips, create custom content for it, write a couple of emails and distribute that content over the next month and do that strategically ahead of time, knowing how that's going to work, we could get a hundred X multiplier on that because maybe we got, you know, 3000 views on our email and we got, you know, over that time period, 20,000 views on the clips. And so it's just being able to quantify and measure that a little bit more and be able to track that and give yourself a benchmark to say, traditionally our content when we release it. And again, it goes back to the audit, like knowing your current baselines is helpful because then you can, actually show like typically when we release a a new blog it does it does well for like the first week and then it doesn't get any more traffic Mm. unless we do something like it's that marketing piece of content marketing like ross simmons says that i love that line like you have to market your content uh and so like that's the idea behind it so i totally uh get the approach and monitoring the views and channels and chopping stuff up do you believe that there's still a disconnect that d- exists with distribution in terms of like, I am taking this piece, I'm doing these 10 things and we're going to do it over a month. And here is the metric when the metric is like number of people who've seen it is like attributing all those people that have seen it that have actually go back to your website to do the thing that you want them to do, which is in nine out of 10 cases, talk to your sales team. Do you think there's still a disconnect there or are things getting better? Uh, there's probably still some disconnect depending on how you're set up and depending on how much trust there is between what you're doing. Some leadership teams that I work with and bound, like they just trust. Yep. That's the right process. We believe in it. We believe that this is what we should be doing. There are things you can do like the whole self attribution side. If you're, you know, how did you hear about us? You know, if it's like, man, I've just been seeing everything about your podcast lately. Like, okay. Like what I'm doing is it's working, you know, like, it, like, I even see that for my business, right? Where it's like, I started the podcast, I don't have any self attribution really laid out, but then I'll get a DM or several that are like, Hey, okay, so I've been listening to your podcast. And I need help with that. It's like, okay, I guess the podcast is working, you know, yeah. but those things happen for your business too. And so like, take screenshots of those things, throw mm. those in your slide deck next to your metric. like, yes, yeah, slack all the time. Like, Hey, look at this awesome thing that just came through. Like, Literally, when I was at Metadata and we launched Demand Gen U, the podcast over there, if there was a mention anywhere, I was screenshotting that and instant <laughs> yeah. in a Slack. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Metrics. How How's the show going? Constant. It's, it's what we talked about where it's like, and again, it's not always going to be up and to the right, but being able to show traction and movement on the things you're doing, that potentially can at least, you know, go a long way to show that there's progress being made. I love the conversation on strategy. If you have questions put them in the chat. We're going to move into the hypothetical case study of it all. I'm sure Justin and people, DMs you've gotten, you've probably heard something similar. So I want to kind of talk through and workshop like 
how you would coach this person or attack this problem that this individual has. But here's the case study. Content marketer is getting pressure connecting the dots between output and business results. The individual believes content distribution is a strategy that can help them drive the right results for their business, but are struggling to get buy-in and support to get it off the content hamster wheel. We talked about this a little bit, but I guess first, like, is this case study or hypothetical, like something that comes into your world routinely from marketers? Yes, absolutely. Trying to, on both sides. So on the content person side of I'm burnt out or I want to be able to try something, a new angle or try a new piece of content. I would, I would love to start doing some video, but my goodness, well, how, how am I going to do video when I'm trying to do this, 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 this? So try to create some margin in their life <laughs> from the content team side. And then from, and then same with the, you know, from the business case side, trying to be able to prove out that this model works and that we should change. Yeah, totally. So how would you advise the content marketer to get off the hamster wheel and change the internal perception around the impact of content? And I'll like even throw like another like layer on top of this is that their boss was the one who started the inbound and content program. So they have been promoted because of the previous work that they have done. But this undeniable change has come in and this marketer on the team sees it. Yeah. Ooh, super fun. So in that case, it's going to take a lot of uh, interpersonal skills uh, to, <laughs> to make that work. Uh, so I mean, like, honestly, those types of things, you're talking about those internal dynamics, you cannot kind of underplay those. But from just a purely strategic standpoint, and I did mm -hmm. touch on it, like, I think doing a retro of what the current landscape is just to start the conversation. Again, don't you don't necessarily have to come in with a full-blown solution, but just a conversation of like, here's what I'm seeing. Like, I, I know this is how we built the company. And I know you had a, like a huge part in, in building that. And I think like we can still, I think we could still have success in that area. But here's what I'm seeing when we release content that doesn't hit SEO or when it doesn't. And, and maybe we, maybe we could think about being more strategic in terms of like, the types of content we're creating and what we're doing by showing the data. And again, everybody's data set is going to be completely different, but just kind of understanding, I mean, like a great example of this. So one company I was looking at, they had gobs of followers on LinkedIn, like big old company. I want to say they had easily, easily five, maybe six, you know, six figures followers on their, on their page, but their content was getting three likes, four likes, 10 likes. And so it's like, wow, look at the gap there between what we're providing our audience and the engagement. And so then like, those are, it's just signals like that that I'm looking at. And then I'm going to go back into the analytics. I'm actually see like, okay, how are our posts performing? Because at the end of the day, like distribution is ultimately a content strategy problem because if your content's bad and you distribute bad content, it doesn't mm. matter. You know, I say that a lot. If you, if you start with a turd and you cut it up, you just get a hundred turds. <laughs> you know, it's a classic... Uh, classic line right there, but it's so true. And so like, make sure you're creating content your audience cares about. It's hitting the right problems. It's things they're, they're interested in. And then doing small tests. Like I love to use social as validation. So like if I've got an idea for a new newsletter or a podcast episode, I'm going to start dripping that out weeks before on social just to see kind of, you know, what do people think about it? And then I can bring that up and I can know, okay, when this launches, 
I have a pretty good idea that it's going to be interesting and my audience mm. is going to care about it. So, yeah, I, I don't know if that answered your your question completely, but <laughs> it does. And I I would love to retweet from the juices handle Justin's turd analogy there. So please, someone out there. Quote Justin, and so we can retweet it from the juice. Hey, I'll retweet it from my personal handle as well. One thing that I'd love uh, to learn more, because this example, I see it all the time, but you talked about like the LinkedIn brand with like six-figure followers who get three likes on the post. Like that happens all of the time because very small percentage of brands know how to leverage their corporate handles the right way. But then what we see is we see these individuals at these brands and their numbers are out of this world and they're not even trying. It's just natural. They're being human beings. They're sharing their content. They're in communities, answering questions. Talk maybe a little bit about like when we're thinking about the distribution strategy, like individuals like that are creating or the ones that are out public facing, like how big of an impact that they can have. I think it can have a huge impact, especially if they are even adjacent to the SME. If you're the SME and they're active, you've hit gold. That's the best thing you could possibly do because then they're probably going to have real-life experiences, real problems that they've had. Their product fits in to solve those. So all those type of things like just becomes much more authentic. I think it's harder, and, and I've experienced this at, at multiple companies trying to do the employee engagement side of the house. Mm-hmm. It's harder to A, get people who want to do it and be interested in it. It's also hard when what you're talking about with your audience doesn't tie back to the product necessarily or what you do. So like if you're in sales, I mean, I could see, I guess if you're in sales, uh, you can talk about it and do some of those things, but it's harder. All that being said, it's to- it's worth it. Like even if, I think it's even worth it, honestly, if people at your company aren't talking about the company, but are talking about what they're doing at the mm. company, that matters more, especially on a, on a, you know, on a site like LinkedIn. Like I'm interested in following other smart people that work at smart companies. And then I can see, oh, oh man, they let them do that. I want to go work there eventually. I want to work with them. So it's like, it's a whole other level of doing content. And again, it might not tie directly in with like getting, getting your blogs more uh, interaction, but it's going to, I think in the long run, pay off for your company overall. Yeah, I think there's this like macro theme when you start to see a bunch of individuals that are excited about promoting the company's content or the problem that the company is solving. Like when you start to see that, like my the way I view it, and maybe it's because I'm in content every day, but it's just like that company, I always am like, that company has a great content culture. And that just means great culture. And like, I think that's where it transcends like just marketing where it's like, you're going to get the right people to want to come work for your company if everyone's doing that. So like, I don't know, I think content and distribution kind of transcends. And maybe this is like episode two at some point, uh, the tr- how it can transcend just overall company vision and, and strategy. But that's something that I, I notice when I start to see multiple people constantly, consistently sharing stuff from, from their brand. Yep, same. So I want to make sure we have time for questions, but I have one that I want to close out this section with. So like we're in this culture, in this fast-paced culture of like quick wins, quick wins. We need quick wins, especially like when we're trying to get a new strategy off the ground. So we have like, this has been woven in and out of this conversation, but like maybe just to like hammer home, just so anyone listening can get some perspective from you, like ways to start testing distribution and communicating it back to the team. Like 
one of the themes of this conversation is like the internal comms of it all. So maybe talk a little bit about that in closing before we jump to Q&A. Yep. I think the fastest thing you can do is pick pick a channel and then figure out how to create good content on that channel. Don't think about how to promote your business on that channel. Figure out what good content looks like on that channel and then reverse engineer your business into that. That's the fastest thing you can do. And your time, like if you're on LinkedIn, figure out how to write really good LinkedIn content. If you're on Twitter, figure out how to write tweet threads that are interesting and hook people in. If you're on YouTube, figure out how to create YouTube content that people want to watch for longer than six seconds. We all get into this as marketers, just like look at the hot takes on generative AI that go around the LinkedIn and Twitter and everyone starts saying the same thing. And I feel like when we start to see someone talk a certain way or use LinkedIn in a certain way, then everyone tries to kind of replicate that, which it typically doesn't get the results that it are intended. Maybe talk a little bit about like the opportunity with you, the way you message in writing to stand out and be different. I know like you're really good at this because like the way you're structured and it works for you and it drives the right traffic in a channel like LinkedIn. But talk a little bit about just like standing out and being different with how you structure each of your posts. Yeah, I think, I mean, having general knowledge of what formats work are useful, right? Like basic knowledge of platform. So how you write a tweet has 280 characters, a LinkedIn post can have, you know, whatever it is, 1500 or, you know, 2000, I can't remember. But like, so just format constraints matter in terms of how to write for those channels. But for messages, that's where it goes back to me when I talked about how to get started with like channels being one, themes being two, that's where messaging comes in. Like one of the core messages that I like or core themes that I like to have is like, I call it like a hot take, but like mm. your opinion, like what is your opinion in the, in the state of the world of the things based on your company that you're trying to solve? And then how do you come up with different angles and different stories around that? And so I've actually got a uh, episode of the podcast that's coming out later this month that's breaking down five different angles that you can use to to talk about those. So like the why, like why is it important? And then show somebody how they can actually go and change that and then show examples of what that looks like. So like you can walk people through and talk about... When you can talk about the same thing in 10, 20 different ways, that's just kind of how I've learned to create content in that way where it's like being able to say the same message but being able to communicate it in different ways, using different angles, different stories, different ideas, different concepts, and being able to get those out there. We all have our phones sitting right next to us or they're in our hands right now. Go to Apple or Spotify and look up distribution first and hit subscribe because you can continue this conversation on Justin's podcast outside of this. Let's. I will be looking at the numbers, so <laughs> I, I'll know. Come on, guys. I'll know. <laughs> um, all right. Let's jump into some questions because I'm scanning these and they're really good. First one's from Jane. Shout out, Jane. She leads marketing at Just Uno. Very cool brand. She was just on the podcast. Do you leverage AI tools to help with distribution? Example, creating posts from AI? I've been playing with about every tool imaginable. I get hit up all the time, as you might imagine, to say, hey, here's this new tool. Like, Do you want to try it out? Hey, here's this. I've been on tons of demos. I'm monkey with, the, with chat GPT all the time. I haven't found anything that gets me really where I want to be at. And again, that could be some of me. But I love it for the messaging and the angle side of like, give me 10 different ways to talk about this mm -hmm. based on X, Y, and Z. Give me a story framework around this. So it just gets me, you know, maybe not 90% there, but it gets me 
60%. And then I can, I just know based on how I want to write. Because honestly, I just don't think it's good. And again, it could be me, but I don't think I'm good enough at teaching it how to, how to write how I sound. And so, you know, I think those things will, will become better. But I read it, and I'm just like, ah, it's kind of boring. Or like, I get where this was going to look at. So yeah, I think using AI for like different angles, different ideas, different topics, also potentially like give me 10 video ideas, give me 10 podcast ideas, give me 10, I need to write social. So like being able to break those out in different things and then potentially being able to say like, I guess I do use it technically too for like transcript work for some of like Mm. the generic transcripty type stuff. Like I'll throw my transcript in and get, you know, a 90% complete podcast description. Again, it's like saving me time in in doing that. So those are the areas that I found. But like as far as like core content creation, I haven't found anything that's really hitting how I want. I've got to ask since we're on the topic, do you have any like scorching hot take that we are in the era of (laughs) scorching hot takes on generative AI? Do you have any? It's okay if you don't, but I'm curious. I think it's going to be massive. It's here, like tough luck. Like you're going to have to learn to use it or not. I like am hesitant because I like I'm the like creative and, you know, like creative at heart. So I like love that. But I think if you can find ways to use it, not to create, I've heard more people talk about it this way. And I like this, use it as your assistant, use it as your intern, use it as your VA and you'll be better off when you try to use it as the creator that's when you run into problems. But I love using it to like get my brain thinking or like I used it yesterday. I said, interview me based on X, Y, and Z things and walk me through. And I answer all the questions. And and, and that's like a basis of a newsletter right there. (laughs) Totally. I love that. All right. Next one from Ruth. What are your favorite tools to use for repurposing? One of my favorite tools, it's hilarious. Uh, I call it a distribution document. It's a Google document. I've tried spreadsheets. I've tried everything else. I use a Google Doc and I, same way. You, you could use Notion. <laughs> you could do whatever you want. But like, I like just to be able to like, now you can go pageless in Google Docs, pageless Google Doc, blog post on one side or content on one side, Google Doc on the other. And I'm just going forth and I'll brain dump all the headlines, all the ideas. Yes, you can go pageless, page settings, pageless, game changer. And then I'll just like start the brain dip of ideas and then start putting in the content and then mm. edit. But I just do that. And then I put like a, a you know horizontal rule across all of them and I'll break them all up. And then working with a team is great too. Like, because then you can just comment, hey, I posted that this morning. This one went on 8, 10, 2022. This one went here and you can go back and then you just have this huge distribution doc library sitting in a folder in Google Drive that like, I don't know what to post today. Oh yeah, I have this this whole work that I put in today. I'm going to go do that. Or you can schedule that stuff out too. I do that on Twitter a lot. I'll schedule out a bunch of posts. That's so good. It, we just want to always run to this new technology, but sometimes it's best just to be a simpleton and use Google Docs for everything. That's what I do. It works well, for me because that's what I'm familiar with. Yeah, and I, I, I say this a lot to people, like do what you're going to do. Like mm. use the system that you're actually going to use. Like I know people who have big elaborate notion things and this and that with drop downs and all this stuff and calendars. If you can do that, awesome. Like go do that. Like I'm not going to force you to go use Google Docs if you don't want, but I think sometimes simple is better. Okay, we got one from Michelle. Can you share some detail on what metrics you've used to measure success and some more detail? So maybe dive a little deeper in. Sure. Yeah. Depends on the channel. So always go channel specific on your metrics. Google is things like keywords, page views, sessions. You can any any of those metrics you can track within GA once people get on your site. On-site stuff, traditional, like 
content marketing stuff much easier from a tracking perspective and, and metrics on social platforms. It's interesting, like they're becoming more, more nuanced, but like say on YouTube, you can check watch time. Podcasts, you can check listen time. So if you can say, hey, I only got X amount of views, but we have people listening to listen to me jab for 35, 40 minutes. How much more valuable is that than somebody watching a six second impression of, of your LinkedIn feed. You know what I mean? Like over time, that compounding. So I'll, I'll look at those metrics and really pull out those individual things. LinkedIn's the same way where obviously impressions, likes, comments, engagement rate, all those things. But for like, if you're doing videos and social clips, look at watch time. Like it's hilarious to see the watch time on some of these. I've had like 60 second clips that get like 10 hours of watch time over it. You know, it's like, oh, and then title too. LinkedIn gives you title. And so I can see like, oh, awesome. Like the right people who I want to watch this or watching this and consuming that content. I love it. So maybe one more or two more. This one's really good. I want you to attack this question. What advice can you give to content marketers who work in a super niche? I got to hit read more here. Industry (laughs) with few competitors. I think that's even better. Like I love like the, I think the more niche you can be, the better in some cases, because if you give that audience really good content that nobody else is speaking to, they're going to love you for it. It might take time to build up and that audience pool, obviously the TAM is going to be much smaller than if it's mm. generalized marketers. But look at my audience, content marketers who are content marketers, who are content marketers who are focused on distribution of content. Yeah. You know, like it's that three layer down niche, but those people who are in that circle are, I mean, again, it's, can you create the podcast that's specific in, in your industry and talks about all those pain points and then get that in front of that audience? you're going to be better off because then you're going to say, oh my gosh, there's a podcast about this. I can listen about, I mean, there is content about the most obscure things out there. I'm telling you, like go to YouTube and see some of the crazy, like how to do X, Y, and Z with, you know, this specific type of car. Like there's so much content out there that, I mean, if you could be niche, I would just say like, I guess to to really answer that question, think about the content that's fun to consume, that you would enjoy, that entertains, that educates, that inspires and create that for your niche. 100%. Um, To me, this screams like this quality versus quantity debate, like being focused and having fewer but higher Mm -hmm. quality is, I know that's not what we were told or how we were told to think as we grew up as marketers, but like that is the way. So um, especially, especially in a small niche, because you will quickly run out of what you think are good ideas or like core ideas for your business to talk about. So if you talk about fewer of those things, and again, use distribution to get those ideas out in front of your audience consistently, you're going to be better off than being like, oh my gosh, I have to create, how am I going to compete? I have to create 50 new pieces of content this year. Getting real meta with it, but it is like what is happening with content distribution right now. It's like, they're not everyone's talking about it. But if you continue to talk about it, like you're doing, like people are going to start to notice and people are going to want to reach out. Man, this was fun. We, we've got more questions, but we don't have time to, to get to them all. I honestly can't think of a better way to kick off this series than with you, Justin. Justin, I value what you say. I read everything you put out. Love the podcast. Love everything you're doing. Thank you so much for joining us to kick off this series. All right, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Distribution First and thank you for listening all the way through. I appreciate you so, 
so much. And I hope you're able to apply what you learned in this episode one way or another into your content strategy as well. Speaking of strategy, we have a lot of things going on this year that are going to help you build your brand, 10x your content, and transform the way you do content marketing. Make sure to subscribe to the show and sign up for my newsletter at justinsimon.co so you don't miss a thing. I look forward to serving you in the next episode as well. And until then, take care and I'll see you next time.